The Mammoth Moms podcast is sponsored by Hackensack Meridian Children's Health. Hackensack Meridian Children's Health is comprised of two nationally ranked children's hospitals by U.S. News and World Report and are number one in New Jersey. Kay Hafnanian Children's Hospital in Neptune and Joseph M. Sanzeri Children's Hospital in Hackensack, as well as pediatric inpatient and outpatient services at JFK University Medical Center in Edison. With access to expert pediatricians and over 200 pediatric specialists across the state, Hackensack Meridian Children's Health prides itself on offering specialized pediatric medical care and surgical expertise. To learn more about Hackensack Meridian Children's Health, visit hackensackmeridianhealth.org kids. Hi, my name is Kate Santangelo. Welcome to the Mammoth Moms podcast, part of the Mammoth Moms Network. Listen in as we bring awareness to the best local resources for growing families in Monmouth County, New Jersey, chat with local moms and mompreneurs, highlight our favorite resources, local spots, restaurants, and more. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Mammoth Moms podcast. We are so excited to be kicking off this amazing partnership with Hackensack Meridian Children's Health today. We're going to be discussing family health care, right, which is um, a massive topic, and there's lots of things to discuss. Um, but today we have Dr. Moses from Hackensack Meridian Children's Health uh, here today. He is a pediatrician, um, practices out of Forked River, New Jersey, mm -hmm. and we are going to be discussing all things summer safety today. So thank awesome. you so much for joining. Thanks for having me. Uh, um, first time to Bell Works? Yes, first time. Yeah. Massive it's, building. It's a massive <laughs> building, right? People um, either know it well or have been like a few times and know it, mm -hmm. and then and if they haven't, they're like, they've heard about it, right? Yep, yep. And you're like, wow, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I drive past here a lot, but I've never actually physically come in here. So. To, over to the hospital? Mm -hmm. Yeah, in Bayshore. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, so we are discussing su summer safety. Summer is around the corner. Sure. It's basically here. Mm -hmm. it's this, the weather's been beautiful. <laughs> yes, so it's been, nice. um, <laughs> it's been so nice. And, you know, I love summer. I think, you know, a lot of parents look forward to summer. But sure. also with little ones, there's a lot of things that you have to be cognitive of. Um, yeah. So we um, have a whole list of questions that we put together for you today, um, one of which is, Sun safety. Mm -hmm. It's a really, you know, kind of again a massive topic. There's, it's a kind of ever changing. Yeah. When I was little, um, it, well, when I was like teenager, it was very much like you know we wanted to get tan and we yeah. put like sun in in our hair and we put oil on our body uh -huh. and like I really regret it now because now I have to get Botox and all these things, um, which is funny because the teens now, like I've, I've talked about this on the podcast before, it's like the we have teens in the house, not my son, but my stepdaughter will put like very expensive serums on their Christmas list. And I'm like, when I was that age, I just was concerned about not having acne. That was like my only skincare regimen. And my mom would be like, you know, remember to wash your face. And the kids now are like totally different, uh -huh. which is so funny. Um, but 
you know, you, you have to be mindful of what you're putting um, on your body and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And, you know, the, the suntan lotions are, it's a huge business, right? Mm -hmm. So tell me, like, what are some of the things that, you know, you should really be mindful of when choosing suntan lotions? So just, I mean, as you alluded to, with just the sun in general, one of the most common cancers in America is skin cancer. Right. You know, and... The, the main message is really trying to protect our skin from the harmful UVA and UVB rays. Um, and yeah, the, the sunscreen lotion is, is what we advise a lot, you know, for kids as young as six months mm -hmm. and older. Um, and, you know, there, there's so many different kinds of sunscreen lotion out there. Um, but the, the main thing is you want one that has what they call broad spectrum coverage, you know, protects from UVA and UVB rays. Um, they have chemical sunscreens and they have mineral sunscreens. Mm. I personally advise parents to get the mineral-based ones because um, they don't absorb the the UVA and B rays. They more, you know, reflect it, so to speak. Interesting. Um, and there are a lot of different ones out there, you know, but um, and you see, uh, you know, SPF 15 and 30 and 50 yeah. and 100. Um, usually we advise at least to have a SPF of 30. SPF stands for a sun protection factor. Mm -hmm. um, and basically the whole idea is if, if, you know, 30 to about 30 minutes before you're going outside, you want to apply the sunscreen, you know, cover as much body surface area as possible. People always forget, you know, areas behind the ears, the neck and the face. So you want to make sure you, um, you you get all your bases covered. Like I said, about 30 minutes before. Um, and typically you want to reapply it every, you know, 90 minutes to two hours, um, especially if you're going into the water. Every time you come out, you have to reapply again. So just overall, the advice is to get, you know, the mineral-based um, sunscreens that have broad-spectrum coverage, UVA and uh, UVB. Okay. And are kids' sunscreens all marketing? Meaning, you know, when you buy something for... I just kind of transitioned my daughter who's eight, so I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm not buying the kids' one anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, she mm -hmm. can just wear ours. Yeah, yeah. But, like, all along, I mean, unless they have sensitive skin, mm -hmm. is it really, like, can you use any sunscreen you, on a two-year-old? You you can. Um, and, again, it's really the the ones that are chemicals, you know, that they we, we try to avoid, you know, getting on, on kids' bodies. There's some new research coming out saying that some of those chemicals may be harmful, but mm -hmm. there, there's not enough information out there yet to say, you know, whether to stay away from it completely. So just from my standpoint, to be on the safe side, as long as it's a mineral-based sunscreen, mm -hmm. I think it's going to be okay to, you know, put it on kids as well. The SPF 15 may protect you from about 93, 94% of the rays. 50, you're getting closer to 96, 97%. Anything above that, it's you're getting, you know, nitpicking maybe 96.5. Mm, so right. typically once you're at SPF 50, it's fine. But as long as it's a mineral sunscreen, I think it should be fine to use on kids as well. Are you still getting vitamin D if you have sunscreen on? You are. You are. You are. So you should have a sunscreen on all the time. All the time. No matter what. All even in the winter. Even if it's cloudy. Even if it's cloudy. <laughs> even in the winter. Even in the winter. When you're outdoors, it's, it's, and, and there is going to be sun exposure. There, the sun pierces through the clouds too. Um, if I mean, in the winter, we're not. Yeah, you know, outside lounging outside for right. a, while, a long time. So people tend not to use it in the winter, you know, but certainly it's it's 
basically you're, you're protecting yourself from the risk of skin cancer. So okay. it certainly is advisable. How common is skin cancer in children? It's it's more common than one would think. I mean, they're probably foggy on the on the percentages, but you're you're looking probably close to maybe like 15, 20% of cancers in children are some sort of skin related cancer. So it's something we are, you know, we are seeing. Okay. Is that right? The number rising? It, it hasn't risen over the past, I want to say 10 years. So there's a lot of um, push to get the information out there about the importance of, of sunscreen. And, you know, it's 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 the, the whole idea of, oh, I don't want the, the white residue in my skin. And so a lot of times kids fight their parents just because they, they don't want to look like ghosts, you know, going on the beach and things like that. But, we're, you know, the message has been pushed out there daily of the, the, the importance of, you know, having sunscreen out there if kids are going to be out in the sun. Okay. And what's the age that you can start using sunscreen on? Six months. Six months. So that has not changed. That has. We were just talking about all the things that have changed, you mm-hmm. know, the, the the guidelines always are, mm-hmm. you know, there's always new evolving. research coming out mm-hmm. and everything's always evolving. So when my son was little, you know, I didn't have the same, there were, but six months was, it was then and, and also with my daughter. Okay. So I'm, I'm good it's, with it's, that it's, one. It's still I'm six months. With the baby I mean, stuff. <laughs> And the younger kids, the advice is just keep them out of the sun. Right. If if you're going to go outside, make sure they're wearing, you know, long sleeve clothing, the white brim hats, you know, UVA sunshade. Um, you, you certainly want to keep the even even the ones that have sunscreen on. Basically, avoidance is best. OK. You know, um, I think the hours between like 10 a.m. and 3, 4 p.m., that's when the sun is the is that is at its peak. So. You know, try to not not be out there for too long. If okay. You can. Um, and if they are out there for too long, or maybe they're at camp, and you're, you know, maybe you're at the beach, and mm-hmm. you kind of, you know, you're all having a nice time, but you don't realize uh, how hot it is. What mm-hmm. are some of the signs to look for for um, heat stroke, sunstroke? What's the difference? So you have. <laughs> heat exhaustion okay and then heat stroke okay um so heat exhaustion it's basically when you've you know you've lost a lot of fluid and salt from your body from sweating mm-hmm. you know because the heat is so much you're sweating you're having fun and you forget to replenish what you're losing mm-hmm. so with the heat exhaustion you see signs like you know headache lightheadedness um nausea vomiting and the skin, there's just so much sweat. The skin is typically moist, um, you know, with heat exhaustion and, you know, you can get weak uh, as well. Muscle cramps are a big thing. But with heat exhaustion, it's the kid that's coming back to say, mommy, I'm tired. You see they're sweating a lot. Maybe they're saying my body hurts. Once you see that, get the kid into a cool place. That's the most important thing. Get them into a cooler environment where there's AC and just start rehydrating them, mm. you know, with cool fluids, preferably fluids that have electrolytes in it. You know, your, you know, Gatorades and Powerades and, you know, Pedialytes, things that have electrolytes mm-hmm. in it. Um, heat stroke, on the other hand, that's a sev- more severe form um, of a heat-related illness. With with the heat exhaustion, they may have a fever of like 100.4, 101. Heat stroke, you're not just, you know, lightheaded and dizzy. At this point, you're confused. Mm-hmm. You're hallucinating. Some kids may even have seizures. So this is more of a medical emergency. Okay. Temperatures can rise as high as 104 wow. in these kids. And with heat exhaustion, you're sweating a lot. With heat stroke, you may not even see sweat. 
because it's almost like you're so drained of all your fluid that the skin can be really clammy, mm-hmm. you know, um, at that point. You can also see nausea, vomiting, even diarrhea sometimes uh, when you get to heat stroke. In a, you know, in a, in a situation like that, still the whole idea is to get, you know, the person into a cool environment. Somebody else is calling 911. You know, if the person is still alert enough to drink, you want to start rehydrating them as well with, you know, electrolyte cold beverages. Um, but that's really, you know, the difference is, is with heat stroke, you're already looking at a, you know, a kid that's kind of um, like disoriented, disoriented okay. you know, and just really not knowing their whereabouts and things like that. So the whole idea is to catch them early mm-hmm. before they progress into um, heat stroke. Okay, interesting. Um, on the topic of hydration, I was actually thinking about this this morning. Mm-hmm. So it's funny, like just how, you know, different generations, we have different practices. When I was growing up, my mom was very like, we had to have milk with dinner every night. Mm-hmm. I don't actually do that with my kids. <laughs> um, and I don't know, really know why it wasn't a specific choice, but we do all like walk around with liquids all the time. And it's really, we are like, I've said this a million times mm-hmm. on the podcast, we drink ridiculous amounts of water. We buy all the waters. We're, all, we're like the fancy what We buy the essentials. We're like that. that uh-huh. We don't buy coffees. We don't buy soda. We don't buy like Starbucks really. Uh-huh. But we buy like the, if there's like a new water, we're like, yeah. ooh, that's fun. Smart water. Yes, yes, and- we are that family. <laughs> so everyone is all, my daughter is actually probably the most um, sustainably conscious, conscious mm-hmm. person in our family. And she, mm-hmm. she has like a water bottle that she carries around. So, um, so she drinks probably about a liter of water every day. Okay. Is that too much? So the the general rule of thumb is um, to take your weight in pounds, okay, drop it in half, and drink that number of ounces a day. Of ounces. Okay. So let's assume <clears throat> it's not my real weight. Let's say I'm 150 <laughs> pounds. I used to be many years ago, <laughs> and you know half of that would be 75. So the whole idea is to we're going to be drinking you know that amount of water in ounces a day or maybe on average they say eight to ten cups Mm -hmm. a day you know of of water is at least a good starting point so to speak you know but it's it's one of those things where um hydration is extremely extremely important one liter look as long as your kidneys are functioning fine Mm -hmm. you're drinking you're peeing you know it's it's can you drink too much water? Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. You know, but again, as long as you're healthy and your 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 kidneys are functioning fine, it shouldn't necessarily be a problem. Right. You know, but she's not having any symptoms, lightheadedness, dizziness, or anything like that. Right. And she has a pretty good balanced diet. I don't see why that is a you know overkill, so to speak. Do you need to be adding? So I, I'm a runner and I just mm-hmm. started. Um, uh, I found this brand called L- Element LM and T L M N T, mm-hmm. and it's this um, uh, electrolyte powder that mm-hmm. you throw into water, and it's it's very good. It's a little salty, but I re- I really like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I need that just for for a different uh, multitude of reasons. But mm-hmm. is it something that like you should be conscious of for kids too, like making sure that they're getting electrolytes, or is that not really a factor? So just hydration in general is important. Uh-huh. The electrolytes come into play when you are 
you know, playing sports mm -hmm. and things like that where you're sweating a lot. Because again, sweat has, you're losing more than water. You're okay. losing, you know, salt and, you know, different electrolytes. Or kids that tend to fall ill with like, you know, stomach bug was going around for a while in the first, you know, few months of this year. Vomiting, diarrhea, things like that. When you're losing more than just water, mm -hmm. you want to replace more than just water. Okay. You know, so in those situations where the kids are out in camp and playing sports and things like that, certainly it's advisable that they you know, drink beverages that have electrolytes in it. But if you don't have access to that, just plain water is much better than, and, than, nothing. Know, than nothing. Exactly. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. There's so many different things that you can, you know, give them, but it's, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like at least they're drinking water. Exactly. And, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they're, and they're good and they're not going to be, you know, overheating. Um, but that's, you know, important to, mm -hmm. to know is, you know, we're going into the, the warmer months. Um, and with that comes pool time, right? Which is, is so much fun for so many, but also mm -hmm. can be, very dangerous area sure. if you're not paying attention. Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this uh, earlier, all the different companies that are out there, where, mm -hmm. you know, of where you can um, get an alarm that goes off on your pool. Of, mm -hmm. Like, I guess there's like different motions different or not motions, motion, mm -hmm. motion sensors and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, but what are like the most common things that you're telling your patients to be aware of for pool safety um, with children? So, um, just in, most importantly, really, is to just make sure your pool is always secure. Mm -hmm. You know, um, a lot of states, townships, things like that, you can't have a pool without some sort of fence around yep. it, you know, that has a self locking gate, so to speak, where no one's just leaving the gate open. Once you open it, the gate locks by itself. Right. So you always want to have a mechanism in place that at least, you know, there's some sort of physical protection around the pool of itself. Um, and then secondly, you know, most drownings happen when adults are around, when somebody is there. You know, we live in the uh, social media slash cell phone generation. You know, so if I have my cell phone in my hands while watching my kids swim, I'm not really watching my kids. Yeah. You know, so I tell parents all the time, like, you know, when you guys are out swimming, make sure there's always one person, you know, an adult that can swim that's responsible for always watching the kids right you know preferably you're even in the pool with them mm -hmm. you know um not one that's like oh yes i'm watching the kids but you're on your phone and things like that so it's very 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 important um the the other thing is not everyone can afford swim lessons but it's a good idea to just you know have your kid have swim lessons yeah you know because it's nice for them to know how to rescue themselves from you know drowning situations and things like that. So having kids, you know, just having even just basic background of, you know, swimming and knowing how to um, uh, be safe in, in pool areas is, is certainly important. And this is the other thing we were talking about before as well. You know, when you watch the movies, uh, a kid that's drowning, they're flailing their arms and screaming and shouting. Most drowning doesn't happen like that. A right. lot of times, you know, the adults are around all of a sudden it's like, where's Johnny? You know, and you're jumping in the pool trying to pull a kid out from underwater. And why is that? Because they they don't look because they're they're fit they're under the water probably mm -hmm. struggling, but mm -hmm. you just can't see that they're struggling. You can't see they're struggling. A lot of times they're there and their heads leaning back and they're like almost like they're in shock. Okay, you know what's going on here, and before you know it, they're underwater. Mm -hmm. You know, so a lot of times, like I say, you don't you really don't 
it's not common for you to see a kid screaming and yelling. So that's why it's so, so, so important, you know, to make sure there's always somebody, you know, within, again, preferably in the pool within arm's length of mm -hmm. these kids, um, that, you know, to make sure that we don't have any unforeseen circumstances like that. And, you know, life jackets, life vests, obviously kids, you know, th that's also, you know, secondary right. form of protection to if, especially if they're not trained to swim, they can just have fun in the pool, have a, you know, life vest on them to make sure that, again, there is no situation where you're drowning. Walking around the pool can get very, very slippery. You mm -hmm. know, you can trip on pool toys and things like that. So again, just making sure areas around the pool are free of debris. Um, and and when kids wear towels, um, a lot of times you try to cover them up their whole body. Mm -hmm. You know, their arms are like this. So a lot of times if they slip, they have no form of natural protection to put oh. their hands down. So if you have a towel around the kid and they slip, they're falling face down or, you know, so mm -hmm. you want to put the towel under their armpits. Oh. You know, so if you do slip, you can at least try to break your fall with your hands. Wow. You know, so that's something else that's, uh, you know. Yeah, little things. Yeah. I've never even thought of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Um, when we were little, we had, we did have a pool, but I think this is before we got a pool and the neighbor had an in-ground pool next door and we were at a barbecue and my mom, we were all there and we were, like you said, we were oh. all around the pool. I was in the pool. I don't recall exactly what happened because I was little, so I don't like, you know, I wasn't looking for that. Mm -hmm. But all I remember was my, everyone, my, my mom dove into the pool because my sister was drowning and she, you know, was probably talking to with the neighbor mm -hmm. and didn't even, you know, Realize like, it, like yeah. she was, it had her eye on her, but mm -hmm. the same time like you said like you you know you're talking or whatever and you have your eye on the kids and but it was like she said she's told the story many times that it was like a split second mm -hmm. and she looked over and she realized that she was struggling and, and got her out and yeah. she, she was fine um but like a very scary moment and a very good reminder that you like cannot take your eyes off of no. the kids another thing i actually just remembered also is people have these like little blow up pools mm -hmm. i don't know, call it a pool but you know for a little baby to yes. just sit there and play with water when you are done, dump all the water out and flip it over. Okay. Because, I mean, you're not going to put a fence around a, a little blow-up pool, you know, blow-up tube with water in it. Mm -hmm. You know, so a lot of people have that, you know. So whenever you're done with the kids in there, just make sure you dump all the water out and flip it over just so your kids don't go wandering in there, you know, when you're not around or when you're not looking. And probably the bath, too. Exactly. Same. Does that happen sometimes? You can drown in the bath. Oh, it's, gosh. Uh, I've it, never, I haven't seen that story in the know, news, with, but I'm sure it has happened. Especially with babies and, you know, bathing babies and things like that. You, it's It kind of goes back to what we were talking about. You know, you put the baby in one of those, um, they have all these baby carrier things yeah. where you can bathe them in. Yeah. You know, um, a baby can drown in two inches of water, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so it doesn't take much. It's you're not going away to go pick up the phone when you're bathing your baby. Like you have to be there at all times focused, you know, and when you're done again, drain all the water out. So the, it's just, you just have to be present you okay. know, at, at, at all times when kids are around water. Okay. Um, we talked a little bit about what they're supposed to be wearing. Mm -hmm. Is there a certain age where I've seen more and more? So actually, where was I the other day? We were at, somewhere and the all the swimsuits are out mm -hmm. and i noticed in oh i know i was getting a, a, a present for my two-year-old niece and 
A lot of the swimsuits now are much more, um, you know, they uh, have more length right to mm -hmm. them. Either mm -hmm. they have um, short sleeves or mm -hmm. longer sleeves, which mm -hmm. was also not the exactly. case when my daughter was little. <laughs> um, so is there a certain age where they should be wearing more um, coverage? And or does or should we all like be wearing so coverage? It's, it's, it's <laughs> coverage again. You're talking about the sun exposure again. You know, if you have the more parts you have covered, the less likely you're going to get sunburn. You know, have you know exposure to sun and things like that. Um, but they have bathing suits. Um, you know, some of them call rash guards. And, yep. You know that the um, surfers use. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of those bathing suits have. UV protection in them already as well. Right. So these bathing suits were typically just for, you know, professional athletes that do water sports and things like that. But now they have those same bathing suits for kids, mm -hmm. you know, so it's it's actually better, you know, to have these bathing suits that have the, the sun protection infused in them already. Okay. So you can't, I mean, you can't go wrong if you were to have long sleeves to protect yourself, but you know, from a reality standpoint, if you don't have that, uh, just make sure whatever parts of your skin are exposed, have sunscreen. Okay. Um, and if you can get the bathing suits that have the uh, UV protection in them, that's also uh, one of the newer things that we're seeing. Okay. Yeah. Um, I noticed like in the baby section, so I was curious if maybe like certain, you know, once they hit 18 months or two years mm -hmm. that their skin's a little bit less sensitive and they, they can wear, you know, it, kind it, of regular it, baby it suits. It is. It is. You yeah. know, you're, you're right. You know to that extent but again the, the whole idea is if you had a choice mm -hmm. you know because they have long bathing suits for 18 month old two-year-olds they have the short ones right you know if you had a choice i'd probably go for the longer sleeve ones you know but if not just make sure you know they're protected yeah, yeah. so we're all getting outside in the summer too mm -hmm. um out you know in and outside of the pool there's lots of um sports happening there's mm -hmm. lots of all just activities that kids can do, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, skateboarding, biking. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure you see lots of incidents that come into your office all yes, the time. Yes. My daughter is, I don't know if it's just a phase or she's growing, but it's like she's just been, she's getting hurt every every other second I turn around. She has band-aids <laughs> all over all her over. body at the moment. <laughs> it's like my son. <laughs> um, she's always crying about something. <laughs> I'm like, mom, I hurt myself. <laughs> Last night I had to pick her up early from Girl Scouts because she fell. It was like a whole oh, thing. Wow. Um, so uh, kids, kids, you know, can get themselves into all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, helmets, I know, are very important. What are some things that you, you know, are always seen and, you know, can indicate that kids are really need to be mindful of? Certainly. I just saw a patient the other day for a head injury. Okay. Yeah. Was going down a hill on, on his bike and, you know, fell. And wasn't head. wearing his helmet. Was not wearing a helmet. Uh, so I, I can't tell you how often over and over again I, and i never blame the kid yeah i always blame the parent right you know because if if you allow your child to ride a bike or go on a skateboard or scooter or whatever without a helmet mm -hmm. it's your fault as a parent you have to make sure they have a you know properly secured helmet that they wear even if you know i hear it all the time oh i was just riding around in the in the excuse me in the driveway or you know in the cul-de-sac most injuries happen right by the house right you know so 
I tell parents as soon as you, you don't move an inch in your car without wearing your seatbelt. Seat and like mm-hmm. your helmet is essentially your seatbelt for your bicycle, your skateboards and, and, and things of that nature. So wearing a helmet is very, very important. If you want to go the extra step, you know, like me, you know, the elbow guards uh-huh. and the knee guards and things like that, those are also helpful, especially if the kids are just learning or they're transitioning from, you know, a tricycle to a bicycle. For those kids that are in the early stages of just getting comfortable with these, um, you know, bicycles and scooters, it's it, it's advisable to offer more protection, okay. you know, with the knee pads and the elbow pads and things like that. But helmet is super, super, super important. I think I can't overstate it. Yeah. You know. How often do you see injuries with elbows and knees? All the time. All the time. Scrapes and, and scrapes. bruises and especially for my skateboarders. <laughs> okay. So even if with a scooter, like you you should be wearing a helmet. You should be wearing a helmet. Okay. You should be wearing a helmet. Is that, is wearing a helmet, is it a law or is it a guideline? Good question. It, it's, I think I, it I, might be a law. I, I, it probably is a law. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. Um, if it's not a law, we should make it a law. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you're not going to have a, you know, a policeman driving around, you know, looking for kids. I wonder if maybe my homeless. parents told me it was a law. That's why I think that it is. And, and I, yeah, but it's for riding a motorcycle on the road as a, as, as a law, you know, to have a helmet on. You know, so I would think even like if you're riding your bicycle on the road and, you know, you don't have a helmet pretty sure a cop will pull you over but yeah you know it's it's probably a law if you're on the road but i think it's you know a, a guideline probably as well too, right so. <laughs> the um playgrounds also make me nervous do you mm-hmm. see any injuries of kids falling off playgrounds all the, time. all the time and you know it's there's really <laughs> what safety tips can you advise for a kid that's on the monkey bars there's and falls and, and, and lands yeah, yeah. Right. you know so as long as you you just want to be close to them you right. know and try to you know make sure they're not you know rough housing or you know cutting in line and things like that when they're being very aggressive uh-huh. <clears throat> excuse me that's when most of these um injuries happen um and the trampoline we get a lot of trampoline injuries and that mostly happens when there's more than one person on there. Okay. You know, because if I'm jumping and landing and you're in the air, sometimes Smack you your exactly head. you okay. hit their head or you you land before I land and the platform is not flat when I'm coming down, it's mm-hmm. sunken. So I twist my ankle. You know, sometimes the the um the netting around the, the trampoline is not strong enough or it's got holes in it. Oh. And kids fall out. I had a patient yesterday, you know, so it's like kids fall out, they hit their head. So, you know, trampoline, preferably just one person at a time. Oh. You know, and just it's hard. It's you know, hard. all the kids are there, you know, they're jumping around, you know, but it's it's less injuries happen when there are less kids, right. <laughs> you know, jumping on the trampoline at the same time. I noticed some um, parents are putting the trampolines in the ground. Have mm-hmm. you seen that at all? I've seen that. Yeah, where they it's like completely put into the, the ground, ground so yep. they don't have to worry about them falling, falling off, out, but they yeah. still have to worry about them colliding. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But that was smart, though. I've never, you know, I, we don't have a trampoline. It just mm-hmm. always made me so nervous. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I, that it was at least like eliminates one of the <laughs> certainly one of the worries of all the things that could happen. Do you see a lot of concussed patients more so in the summer yes just from sports you know um and it's every sport you know football certainly gets a bad rap just because of all the you know um all the stories that we hear and the tackling and the nfl and things of that sort but i think i get most of my concussions from cheerleading 
Interesting. Believe it or not. You wow. Know, the spotter didn't catch, you know, it got flipped up in the air. So we get a lot of head injuries from our cheerleaders. Wow. Yep. Soccer players from the ball hitting their head. I know it's a new, I don't know if it's adopted around America, but there's a lot of laws in place mm-hmm. that kids 13 and under are not allowed to strike the ball with their head, even though it's a part of soccer, mm-hmm. but just because they don't have the right techniques yet. Because again, we see a lot of concussions from just the soccer ball hitting their heads. Right. You know, so yes, we do see a lot of concussions in the summer. Okay. Um, we love to hike in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, we have two dogs. I love to go. I'm very, I love being outside. Yeah. We go on a lot of walks all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we are have been lucky enough we've seen a few ticks in the house recently which is kind of strange because i'm pretty good about making sure the animals are lit covered and they have like the seresto things and all mm-hmm, this stuff mm-hmm. um but uh i'm sure that you see tick bites all the time that's really scares the crap out of me mm-hmm. what um what are what do you recommend especially with girls and long hair so cut it off and look like me <laughs> just kidding <laughs> um so Right off the bat with with ticks, they're they're very sneaky. You mm-hmm. know, if a mosquito bites you, you know right away. You know, with ticks, they there's a misconception about ticks jumping. Ticks don't jump. You know, they don't fly. They they crawl. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of times they're in, they're not in the air. You know, so they're in you know wooded areas, grassy areas, shrubs, things of that sort. You know, so they're typically coming from the ground up you know so the advice is if you're going to be outdoors in tick infested areas woody wooded areas and things of that sort to wear you know boots you know trousers that you're tucking the trousers over your boots mm-hmm. you know to try to basically protect your skin essentially you know and there's a chemical spray out there called our permethrin uh, that you can spray on your clothes not on your skin mm-hmm. but you can spray on your clothes or your boots and it basically wards off ticks, essentially. If you spray it directly on a tick, it kills them. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of the only chemicals you can buy over the counter that kills ticks on direct contact. You know, with long hair, you want to have it, you know, in a ribbon. I have, I know nothing about hair. Right. You, know? <laughs> you know, but you certainly always, you don't want it, you know, loose. You know, you, you want it nice and tightly bunched. Um, but the main thing is once you go out, you know, you're done with the day and come back in, take off all the clothes um, and make sure you check yourself for ticks mm-hmm. and maybe even have somebody else check because you can't check your, your back and things right. like that. Ticks tend to go, you know, in the lines of the scalp, sometimes in the armpits, you know, in the groin areas, okay. you know, so you can basically just try to feel all over it to see if you feel a bump, you know, and have someone look to see what's there. You don't know when you get bitten by a tick. Right. It's so subtle, you know, and that's what I said with mosquitoes, you know, sometimes they're already in there, you know, feeding on you before you even realize anything is there. And for the younger kids, that's, it's, you know, incumbent on the parents to make sure you're, you know, looking in the hair, checking their skin and everywhere. Obviously, you're not going to go with a fine tooth comb, but once you get your hands in there, you should... Because half of their body is usually sticking out, mm-hmm. you know, so a lot of times you'll feel a bump or feel something. You may even just see a little black spot, Okay. you know, depending on what age the, the, the tick is. When they're really little, they still bite, you know, they're still going to feed on you. But when you look, it may just literally be a small black dot. So that's a misconception then that the ticks that are carriers of Lyme, not all ticks carry Lyme, no, right? No, it's mostly deer ticks, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's the deer ticks, but that they don't have to be a specific size. No. 
Okay, because no. I always thought that the small, it was only the teeny tiny ones that that could transfer Lyme's disease. No, so, and, and that's the thing is, so I have parents that sometimes bring the tick in for me also to take a look at it. I'm like, well, I, <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't, know, I don't, I, I don't know what's inside exactly. <laughs> I can't test it. It looks like a deer tick. Right. You know, so I, I just try to kind of do like a general, you know, preventative type thing. Whereas, you know, regardless of how big or small the tick is, if you see it, the goal is to get it out as soon as possible. Most times it takes about 36 hours or more okay. for the tick to actually tr transmit Lyme's disease. Uh -huh. You know, so if you didn't have a tick at 12 o'clock p.m. in the day, you went out hiking, you're back home at six and you see the tick, get it out as soon as possible. The likelihood that it's gonna give you Lyme's disease is very, very low. Okay. You know, and there are a lot of tick removal tools that are out there that you can buy. But even if you just have, you know, some pretty strong tweezers, you always want to get as close to the skin as possible, you know, and grab, not squeeze the tick. Just get a firm hold of it and just try to pull as straight up as possible. Don't, you know, shimmy it and wiggle it. Just try to, you know, pull it out as straight up as possible. If you can't get it out, go to your doctor, go to an air surgeon care, you know, and they'll be able to, um, uh, get it out for you. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what do you do with the tick when you take it off or if you find a tick in your house? So a lot of people try to, again, save it in a um, Ziploc bag and send it for testing. That's, again, especially if it's bitten you. If you have the permethrin, again, it's a spray that kills directly okay. on contact. Oh, I should you get know, that. Okay. Yeah. You're not supposed to flush it, right? You can. Oh, you can. Yeah, you can flush right, it. So that's another one. My husband's like, you're not supposed to flush it because sometimes it'll come back up. We might have made up all these things about ticks over I mean, lifetime. You could, I mean, kill it, put it in a thing, you know, squeeze it up in a tissue and flush it down the toilet. I yeah. Mean, it's, uh, so Lyme's disease is a, it's an autoimmune disease or no? No. It's so not. it's not an autoimmune. So it's a disease it's that, a disease. It's, it's a disease that's caused by, um, you know, the tick biting you, okay. you and you, it, it's not the thing with Lyme's disease is you don't get bitten by a tick today and you have symptoms tomorrow. You know, one of the earliest symptoms you see is um, just a rash. Okay. You know, it's like a bullseye. Within the first like, Within week? the first like two to three weeks. Okay. You see that. Um, and the bullseye rash is typically around the site of the bite, but it doesn't necessarily have to be right there. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's sometimes you don't know you got bitten by a tick and the tick finishes off on you and falls off. Mm -hmm. You know, you may see just a little red dot with like a bump on there. Mm -hmm. You don't know what bit you, you know, so I can't tell if it was a tick that bit you or a mosquito when I look at it. But if you come in two weeks later, you know, you have a rash that looks like a target or a bullseye rash. In my head, I'm like, oh, it was probably a tick you got bitten. So if you were to see that rash, mm -hmm. go to your doctor right away. Because okay. at that point you have you know, what they call primary Lyme disease. That's the first, you know, the early version of it. Mm -hmm. And you get treated with antibiotics for about, you know, two to three weeks that can prevent you from developing, you know, the later versions of Lyme disease, which is where you start seeing, you know, the headaches and the joint pain, you know, and, you know, heart issues and things of that sort. Yeah. So that's the part we're trying to avoid. Mm -hmm. You know, if you get a tick that bites you, and maybe you're like, I think this thing was on there for 36 hours, but you take it out. Again, if you see your doctor right away, they can give you, you know, an antibiotic. Typically, it's just one pill, depending on your age, mm -hmm. that actually can prevent you from developing 
even that early stage of Lyme's disease. Okay. You know, so it's always good to, you know, when in doubt, if you have questions after you've gotten bitten by a tick, just call your doctor up and see, you know, if there are any like precautions you can take right away to avoid developing Lyme's disease. So if you get, if you see the rash and you're able to get the antibiotic in time, you mm -hmm. potentially could not test positive for Lyme's in the future. You probably will probably test will. positive for Lyme. Okay. So testing positive for Lyme's just means you have Lyme's disease. Got it. The concern is the which is symptoms. it the primary one you have, the secondary, uh, the tertiary. So we try to keep it to just the rash, you know, and once you get treated, you don't, a lot of times you don't develop the further stages. And I also have patients sometimes where they get bitten by a tick, you know, the, the medication that we give, it's not, typically we don't give it to kids under eight mm -hmm. just because of some of the side effects. Um, so there are certain parents that are like, I just want to know if my kid has Lyme's disease. Because mm -hmm. you may test positive for Lyme's disease and not even be showing symptoms yet. So I can't test you for Lyme's for about five, six weeks after a tick bite. Okay. You don't get bitten by a tick today and go test it for Lyme's tomorrow. Typically, oh, it takes about five or six weeks for those antibodies to develop in your body for us to be able to, to, you know, to, to detect it. Yeah. Interesting. Do you see a lot of snake bites? No. None. Zero. Never. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I'm like deathly afraid of snakes. I was always curious if that's like a thing and I've just been like, like somehow avoided it. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I mean, it just probably just depends, um, you know, where you, what state you're in. Yeah. Um, I, I read all the time about people finding snakes in their homes or in their backyard yes. and things like that. That but, is my worst nightmare. Yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, and what about spider bites in the summer? Do you see much of that? So we do, so it, it's hard to determine what bit you. A lot of parents come in and saying, hey, my kid was bitten by spider bite. Right. But did you see the spider? No, I just, you know, it looks like a spider bite. So it's very, very rare for me to, you know, see someone where the parent categorically saw the spider bite the kid. Oh, right. You know, come in, it's usually, it oh, I'm rash, scared. Right? It, could, it could just be a rash. Yeah. It could be a red dot. You know, so it's like, oh, I think it was a spider bite. Yeah. I don't know. You know, so we just treat treat it locally to make sure there's no skin infections, yeah. you know, and kind of go from there. But there are certain spider bites where you know where you develop, you know, like a black, what they call an eschar, where it's like a, almost like a black wound, so to speak, like a scab that forms, where it's mostly certain kinds of spiders that do that, okay. you know, so, but I've probably seen that like maybe three or four times. I used to work in the emergency room. I remember saying three times in the span of six years. Oh, okay. You know, so so it's not again, common. it's not no. so so common. Here. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And mosquitoes, um, so they're, you know, the necessary evil of, mm -hmm. of summertime mm -hmm. and enjoying the, the great outdoors. Um, I don't, I always used to spray myself. I really don't spray anything on mm -hmm. me or the kids anymore. We have mm -hmm. like, like a fire pit in the yard and stuff. So I'm hoping that, you know, um, but what, uh, and also I'd love to even know um, uh, what you think about the services that people um, spray all the chemicals in their yards for, um, to keep the mosquitoes yeah. away. So what do you um, suggest for sprays? Does mm -hmm. DEET matter? Does it not matter? Is it bad for you? Is it good for you? <laughs> all great questions. I just, uh, I got a flyer in the mail. I was talking to my wife this morning to see if we should get where there's people yeah. to come out. You know, our neighbors did it. 
They said it works, but it only lasts for maybe like the first two or three weeks. Well, that's it. it. And then it, um, and if it rains a lot, then yeah, it's a problem. So So it it does help, you know, but it's, you know, it's a financial thing, you know, so if Mm -hmm. you can afford to have them come out every, you know, three or four weeks to to spray the yard, then great. Right. You know, um, but in terms of uh, just, I guess, insect bug repellents and, you know, things like that. So D has probably been around for close to 70 years. Oh. You know, they used it in the army, you know, way back in the day, you know, it was when it was developed. And, and what is it exactly? So it's, um, I think it's called diethyl toluamide, you know, big <laughs> word. But it's basically a chemical, uh-huh. you know, that is found in a lot of bug sprays to basically ward off, you know, um, mosquitoes, ticks, and, you know, various mm-hmm. insects that bite it doesn't ward off stinging insects like the wasps and bees and things like that mm-hmm. but your mosquitoes and ticks and um it, it prevents them from you know it's like repulsive to them so to speak i think there was a time when d was thought to be associated with seizures okay in kids and ever since then it's got a bad rap that you know it's not safe you know for kids and things like that the American Academy of Pediatrics, the CDC, WHO, they've all over and over again, you know, a lot of research has been done that has proved the safety of D. You know, so the the recommendation is still like if you're going to use, you know, bug sprays and insect sprays and things like that, that yes, the ones that have D in it are just, they're still very safe. All the research disproved any of those, you know, concerns. The one thing we do see, maybe you have a skin reaction. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at a lot of these um, insect repellents, they have certain percentages, deep, 10%, 30%. Usually the higher the number, um, the more likely you may see um, a skin reaction, so to speak. Um, but the numbers, those percentages represent how long you're protected for. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think 10% covers you for about three to four hours of outdoor activity. You know, 30% is closer to six or eight hours. You know, I don't know anyone who's out, you know, in the woods that long. Um, but typically I recommend that you use, you know, an insect repellent that has the in it. But Again, I'm sensitive to families. I'm sensitive to whatever information they read on social media about. So even after I tell you that it's safe, yeah. there are other options. You know, there are um, other insect repellents out there. There's one that has, um, you know, a substance in it called picaridin, right? It's actually what they use in Europe. You uh-huh. know, um, that's their first line. That's what they recommend. And... Um, it's just as effective as D. Interesting. Just as effective as D. Um, and again, you'll see the percentages on there, 15%, 20%. Again, that really just goes back to how long you're protected for. So the pros and cons between both of them is D is you you can get pretty oily mm-hmm. after you put it on your skin. Um, some people don't like the smell mm-hmm. either. Um, the other one, the Picaridin one, that tends not to it tends not to be oily and it doesn't really have like a strong smell so to speak but in terms of long term um can this cause issues later on in life you know do i worry about something happening to my kid after being exposed to this 5 10 years from now DEET has been around for 70 years right. so we know that long term effect 
really there's not much of anything. Okay. The other one, the picaridin, is is as you know safe as it is. You know, we don't really know. It's a newer 20, 30, 40 okay. years down the line. So that's the right. only thing. Um, there's also oil of eucalyptus. Yes. Oil of lebon eucalyptus. Um, so that the only downside to that is you can't use it for kids under three. Oh, you know, the deets and the other one, the picaridin, you can use it for infants as young as two, three months. Okay. You know, but the, the eucalyptus one, it's three and older. Why is uh, that? So it hasn't been studied. Oh, interesting. It's really okay. so most of the things that are age specific, it's just because we didn't study it in kids younger than this. So I can't tell you whether it's safe or not safe. Okay. You know, um, and there are a lot of other stuff out there, like, you know, the natural essential oil essential, people. Exactly, yeah, all of the exactly. different products that are citronella to it. oils right. Right. and you know, there's like bean oil and peppermint oil. Yep. Um, again, those are typically for older kids. They are considered safe, mm-hmm. you know, but there's not enough literature out there that talks about the efficacy, like the effectiveness of it, you know. So, again, I can't really speak to it. I just tell my patients because I can't force you to use one thing versus another. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not going to use D, you're not going to use any of those. Well, here's another option out there. But typically what I just tell patients is you have to reapply this probably more often because they tend to last maybe 30 minutes to an hour in terms of um, protection. There's all these ones out there. There's like a watch right thing that's like soaked in chemicals or a band that if you wear it, those doesn't doesn't work. Yeah, I've right? seen those before. It's, <laughs> like, like, it's like one thing and I'm like, I don't know yeah, if that's going to cover no, your whole body. Like but... ultrasonic waves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those things, I, I tend to stay away from them. And there's some that combine the sunscreen and the bug repellent okay. into one cream. I advise against those because sunscreen, you have to really apply it uh-huh. and you have to tend to reapply it. If you're reapplying that, you're overdoing the yeah. bug spray as well. Right. You know, and speaking of bug spray, I don't like the sprays. Oh, interesting. You can inhale it, especially with the kids. Okay. You know, so I typically have parents spray it on their hands and then just rub it on only on exposed skin. Okay. You know, don't rub it all over the kid's body and puts clothes on it. You know, just exposed skin. Oh, good to know. What about uh, bee stings? What about bee stings? Well, <laughs> what, uh, so my daughter is eight and mm-hmm. she has not been stung before. Mm-hmm. So how, like, are you supposed to, like, what is it, like an EpiPen you would need? Like, so, so how do you know that, like, your kid isn't allergic to bees? You don't. You don't, right? You don't. That's, so that's the scary thing about allergies is you don't know until you're exposed to it. You know, I don't know I'm allergic to peanuts until I, you know, eat a peanut butter sandwich and I get a rash everywhere and my eyes blow up. So with bee stings, um, again, it's best to try to, you know, it's hard to avoid it, but there are a lot of plants that, you know, flowers that, you know, attract bees, mm-hmm. you know, um, perfumes, um, certain uh, scented soaps and lotions. So I tell patients and families all the time, if you're going to be outdoors, stay away from the scents. Okay. Bees love good smells. You know, so if you're putting perfume on and you're outdoors, you may attract a bee, so to speak. You know, so... If you do get stung by a bee, there's really nothing, you know, special you have to do. Just simple soap and water. You know, you could put a little bacitration ointment or neosporin, any antibiotic ointment, just to kind of keep it from getting infected, so to speak. If you get stung by a bee and all of a sudden 
you know, you, your eyes swell up, rash everywhere, shortness of breath, that's a 911 call. Mm -hmm. Now, at that point, I know you're allergic to these things after you've had that first experience. So at that point, if you were to go to the hospital or to your doctor, they give you a prescription for an EpiPen. Okay. You know, so now you have an EpiPen in the event and you, you get stung by, but you carry it with you everywhere. So if you have a child who's um, like, who is commonly more allergic to certain things like mm -hmm. peanut butter or mm -hmm. they just have more allergies, are mm -hmm. they predisposed to being allergic to bees not or not necessarily. not necessarily? It's just a specific allergy that you exactly. have to the bee sting. Exactly. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. That always like scares me because you never, you know, not only do kids, you know, not obviously want to mm -hmm. get bit by um, stung Still and good. they're, you know, always like so afraid of bees. But yeah. if you're in an area where you're like not quickly able to get to, you know, medical care, it's, you're, it can you're, be. You're, you're, you're very right. Is it common? It's I most of. I guess the people have come around already have had their okay. scary episode. Their area, yeah. And a lot of times it you know, you see really just the swelling mm -hmm. of the of the eyes and the mouth, but not necessarily the oh I can't breathe. Uh -huh. You know, it's 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 it happens, but it's not very common. So most patients, um, most people, I'm calling everybody a patient, <laughs> most people are able to get help you know in time before any of the respiratory and scary things develop okay because if you get stung by a bee on your arm and all of a sudden your eyes blow up you know most people are rushing to nearest urgent care or hospital you know if they see that so if you like remember the, the movie my girl from when we were younger mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and yeah. a little boy gets stung and he <laughs> dies he has like all you know mm -hmm. he gets stung multiple times mm -hmm. right um, but he was allergic to everything so if someone gets stung by like multiple times by like wasps or whatever mm -hmm. and they're not allergic mm -hmm. they'll be okay they'll just be sore they'll just have a bunch of lesions really? on their body <laughs> okay. a bunch of red spots on their body okay yeah because wasps can sting multiple can times, sting, right? Certainly, yeah. Certainly. So, oh my gosh, all the things. Well, <laughs> all hopefully, the things hopefully, hopefully, hopefully it's a fun summer <laughs> that's that's free of all these uh, bugs and insects. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, this has been so helpful. We've covered a lot of different summer mm -hmm. safety topics mm -hmm. today. Um, what's the biggest message, you know, that you want to drive um, home to parents? So. Have fun. I feel like summer has been has been a long time coming. Yeah. You know, um, but don't, you know, take all of these, you know, take all of these tips very, very, very importantly. You know, as much as we love the sun, the sun is and can be harmful, mm -hmm. you know, so just sunscreen, you know, reapply as often as you need to, you know, that the water safety, we drownings still happen every you know, I think it's close to a thousand drownings, you know, that lead to fatalities every year in kids in America. Wow. You know, so it's it's it happens a lot, you mm -hmm. know, so let's make sure that we are focused when we're out there watching our kids swim, preferably being there with them. You know, um, we talked about the insect repellents, but yeah, have 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 fun. Hydrate, 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 drink right. lots of water, drink lots of electrolytes. You know, it's important super important mm -hmm. um again super helpful i learned a lot today <laughs> there was a lot of information that i was uh i guess i bet it was it may change in a couple of years yeah, so right. for now that's we'll what have we have <laughs> um, well thank you where can everyone find more information um, from hackensack so we um it's just hackensackmeridianhealth.org and they have a search bar you just type up you know Whatever it is different you're topics. looking for, different topics. Yeah. You know, and it'll lead you 
to there. Um, but just, you know. That's great. Super helpful. I'm excited um, to continue this series with mm-hmm. uh, Hackensack Meridian Children's Health. We're going to be talking about lots of different important topics this um, this summer and going into the fall and into um, the rest of 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully we uh, helped you know parents out there learn hopefully, a bit more certainly. and be more cognizant of, of what we're doing this summer, but also remember to have fun with your families and yep. you know don't be terrified to send them outside now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I didn't scare anyone it's fun look we we we, we love the outdoors my, my kids cry when they're indoors it's and it, the activity is fun go out there yeah, let them good. play and get them off exercise. The, get them off the screens get them off that's, the screens get them off the video games yeah. enjoy the outdoors we can talk about safe. that too but exactly. that's a different, that's different, a different, different topic different topic so yes please <laughs> less screen time this summer yes. so but enough that you can get your work done because that Certainly. also saves me exactly <laughs> uh, um, well thank you again thank you. um this summer, uh, just uh, look ahead for Mammoth Moms. Uh, we have our outdoor dining guide coming out soon. Okay. So if you want to uh, head out with the family or with um, friends or with your partner mm-hmm. and enjoy the great outdoors uh, pools, um, uh, waterside uh, along Mammoth County, we have our dining guide coming out very soon. So we're excited about that. Lots like of food. Yeah, lots of great <laughs> options to have some good seafood awesome. by the beach, by the bay. Um, such a beautiful area and we're so lucky to be able to to you know frequent all of these great places mm-hmm. and then also our um, guide to local beaches and pools is okay. coming out it should be out um, by the end of May okay. um, and each year we put out a detailed guide of all the different pe- uh, beaches in mm-hmm. Monmouth County oh, and nice. all the daily pass information where wow. to get your season passes uh, all the different splash pads to visit nice. we have all the different pool clubs in there so what memberships you can get at different pool clubs and then also so the beach clubs, um, I know a lot of them have waiting lists, but we have mm-hmm. everyone listed there. So you can you know, take your pick and make a bucket list and Excellent. put all kinds of um, fun plans in place to get to the beaches and pools safely. Safely, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then we also have our free um, activities guide coming out soon too. So lots of things to explore in Monmouth County this summer, um, and it doesn't have to cost a dime. So awesome. we'd like to highlight all the different uh, park systems that uh, offer different programs that you can you know, just go and, and enjoy with your family for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and just lots of activities, you know, maybe thinking outside the box, but yeah. going for a bike ride or um, going to uh, fossil hunting and, and lots of different nice. things in there. So that'll be out soon, too. Um, lots of things planned for the summer, and we're excited to continue um, letting